Hi there! On this episode, I'm getting interviewed by a good friend of mine, Paul Levitin, of the Healthy Happy Human podcast, where we dove into such a juicy conversation about mindset, expectations, and creating real sustainable change in our clients. It's such a great episode. There's so many little nuggets scattered throughout. I hope you really, really enjoy it. And if you want more from Paul and his show, I'll be sure to link him up in the show notes so you can go find him there and toggle over and start binging everything that he has to offer. He's such a gem. He's so wise. And I know that you'll be able to learn a lot from him as well. So without further ado, let's dig in. Hi, I'm Laura, host of Expand, the podcast for coaches who crave more fulfillment in the work that they do, more meaningful results in the clients they serve, and more confidence to rebel against the traditional boxes our coaching industry has placed us in so we can expand into the bigness of what we're truly capable of. When you're ready, let's jump right in. Today, I have an awesome conversation lined up for you with my friend, Laura Poburin. Laura is a nutrition coaching mentor, meaning she coaches other coaches. She helps nutrition coaches best connect with their clients so that they can get them the best results. Laura is the founder of a system called Trigger Mapping, which is a mentorship program that teaches nutrition professionals a behavior-based approach on nutrition coaching. Laura and I talked a lot about the mindset, but we're talking about it from the point of view of the end user the person who is trying to get their nutrition under control, even though Laura is a coach for coaches, we tried to keep this really specific and actionable. One thing I will note is that there were some connection difficulties and Laura's mic is a little bit fuzzy at times, but the conversation and the actual content that we were talking about was so good that I couldn't not post this. And I definitely will be having Laura on for a second go because we talked for about an hour and I could have kept talking to her forever. She's so smart and there's so much, so much, so much value. So even though it is a little uh, staticky at times, please keep your notepad out. Please don't hesitate to rewind this or listen to it twice because there's so much value. This episode will change your life if you implement the things that Laura and I are talking about. So please sit back. Please enjoy. And remember, if you get value out of this, share it with a friend and reach out to me and let me know what you thought because I love to hear your feedback. Without any further ado, check out this amazing episode with my friend, Laura Poburin. All right, Laura. First question that I have here is that people talk a lot about empathy and connection. You know, we want Mm -hmm. to connect more and people know that empathy is inherently a good trait to have, but something that you talk a lot about and you teach is that empathy and connection are skills. So I was just wondering, could you expand on that a little more? Yeah, I think it's really important to understand that, you know, empathy is something you can learn and connection is something that we aren't necessarily born knowing how to do when it comes to connecting with our coach or connecting back into ourselves, right? We were innately expected to just be able to connect with people in this really authentic way and to connect with ourselves in a really genuine way. But society plays such a huge role in our inability to truly find that connection with ourselves with the people in our lives. And I find it's really important to normalize the fact that we can learn and relearn and continue to relearn connection and empathy within the scope of whether or not 
you know, where you're struggling to connect back into what our goals are really taking us towards or whether we're connecting with the, the people in our lives that are really pulling us towards our goals or away from our goals. So ultimately, the inner work that needs to happen to make connection possible is something we can revisit over the course of our life in lots of different contexts. So if we feel disconnected, that's okay. It's just, we've been conditioned that way based on what we've experienced in our lives. So not to place this expectation that connection needs to be something that we're just innately awesome at because a lot of us really struggle in that area. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely agree with that. And just for those listening, uh, Laura is a coach for coaches. So Laura usually helps nutrition coaches talk to their clients better and get better results for their clients. So some, some of the things that she's talking about is, you know, are, are more aimed at the actual practitioner, but this is all very relevant for the end user. And something that I, that you said that I really liked was around the expectations around connection specifically because I feel like in this world where we are hyper-connected, right? We are infinitely connected at every given moment, social media, we're always connected. There's literally, you know, people, you know, again, you and I met (laughs) once and we've talked a few times, but it's like, I know about your life because we're connected on social media, you know? So there's (laughs) an expectation that people have to like you said, to be good at this type of thing, or that we should know how to do it because we are doing it. And that's kind of like a a strange thing. And it can, I think, get people down maybe because Mm -hmm. like, well, how am I good? I'm not good at it, but I'm supposed to be, you know? Right. Right. I think, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head for a lot of different topics, that expectation to be good at something that we don't innately feel we're good at can be so disempowering in so many different aspects of our life. Right. You know, even when we're talking about chasing an external physical goal, right, if we went surface level and we just looked at that for a second, there's so many expectations that we hold all the time around. I should be able to just eat enough protein. I should be able to just not binge on the weekend. But there's there's subconscious things going on with us, right? We're conditioned in a very specific way based on how we were raised, based on the experiences we had. And connection is just one piece of that, right? I think, I think for the end user, understanding that knowing how to connect back with yourself is one of the most valuable pieces of the puzzle that is never spoken about in a health journey, in a nutrition journey, in a mindset journey. Right. If we don't know, you know, where we've been conditioned and where our brain is trying to keep us safe, if we don't know the habitual emotional reactions we're falling into and why that's being triggered in us, and we just operate kind of on autopilot, we're disconnected from ourselves. We're hyper connected externally, right? We're hyper connected to other people socially through networks and whatever, but to ourselves, we are so disconnected because it's almost like that forced expectation of needing to be connected all the time to all these other people right. is almost pulling us away from connecting in with ourselves. Right. right. For sure. I love that. Cause yeah, I say this all the time that like, we only have so much energy. Energy is, you know, time is our most precious resource. And then right after that comes energy to me because theoretically we can make more energy. We can't make more time, but that energy piece of like, yes, we are so hyper-connected and we're so 
giving on every other social network and talking to people and talking to jobs and answering emails. But it's like, we don't take the time to check in with ourselves. And that is, like you said, the most crucial and overlooked piece to all of this. So Mm -hmm. can you give like, I don't know, maybe an example from maybe a client you've worked with or a story from yourself in the past of like one of those things of like of that disconnect between like when we don't really understand what's going in because we haven't checked in with ourselves. Do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, I think I have hundreds I could pull from and people will absolutely resonate with a few more simple examples, but you know, the most common, I guess, in the nutrition space and the mindset space would be something around the lines of, you know, you have these people who are influencing you around your life, whether it's your family or your friends, right? And they expect something of you, or you perceive there to be this expectation of something of you. Like, I need to eat a certain way to belong to this group. I need to drink to keep up with them because I was the party girl in high school Mm -hmm. and I'm afraid not to be that person anymore. But there's something deep inside of you that's like feels anxious in those scenarios, right? There's something telling you that that's not right for you, but you ignore that because there's all these other factors at play, fear of not belonging, fear of being judged. So when it comes to connection and you're thinking about how you're operating in your life, really specifically, who are you around most often and how are they influencing the person that you're portraying to the world? What are the masks that you're wearing in all your different social groups, Mm -hmm. right? Because here's the thing, you are a different person with every single person in your life right? You behave differently. Like for example, you behave differently at a restaurant talking to the server than you do talking to your mother-in-law, than you do talking to your best friend. You're a different person, right? You wear a different mask. Who are you by yourself? Mm -hmm. Are you massively uncomfortable when you're alone? Are you codependent on other people's feedback telling you who you are or who you're allowed to be? This influences your nutrition journey. This influences your ability to heal your mindset. If we're not aware where that codependency is really coming into play in your journey, and you're just expecting yourself to be able to stick to a singular plan, no matter who you're around, you've already failed. Right. Right. I love that. I love that too. Again, I talk about masks a lot and I think it's so important. Exactly what you just said. You're a different person around everyone, right? If, if, Mm -hmm. if, if I ask my mom to describe me, my best friend to describe me and my coworkers to describe me, they're going to have very different descriptions of, you know, who I am. Cause I joke differently. I act differently. And you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to curse around my mom as much as I would. Well, I probably would curse around, <laughs> right. but that's just me, but just there's certain things like that. And it's like you said, it's like, who are we when we're, we're, we're by ourselves. And because of the hyper-connected world that we live in, the thing is that people don't have to ever be by themselves. Right. So we don't have to learn who that person is because it's like, okay, like if I'm afraid to, to take off this mask and like, I'm, I'm, I'm placating myself with all these, you know, with, 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 with all these pretend things or or, or whatever, however, I'm, I'm taking my attention away from that. If I, if it's hard for me to take that deep introspective look in the mirror, I don't ever have to, because I, there's always more social media to scroll. There's always more YouTube videos to watch. There's always more like, it's like, it's like, okay, like, well, being alone is scary. Well, good thing I have my handy dandy iPhone and I never have to be alone ever, ever again. Right. Yes, exactly. I mean, how many times do you walk into a restaurant and you don't see your friends right away and you grab your phone and you're like, buried in your phone. Right. I, I mean, I catch myself doing that too. Or you're just 
it's just wild. Like start paying attention to your behaviors when you're sitting in a drive-through and you have two minutes to wait, right? right like right, right. you're instantly right. bored and you're reaching yeah. for your phone. Even at a red light, like I, it's like a sickness. I've this for myself. I, I, I really, this is one of the, the habits I'm trying to break the most is that I hate that exactly that, that I go for my phone. It's, it's a pacifier. It literally is an adult pacifier because it's like, again, I can't sit for, for two minutes. Like you said, like when I get, when I get to the place first and like, it's like, Oh, gotta, gotta be on my phone because I can see, you know, or it while until the waiter comes or whatever. And I think that this is why, you know, meditation has come back in such a full force swing in the last, you know, three, four or five years, especially, but especially in the last two years, you know, because it's, it's exactly the opposite, right? Everything comes, I always say the pendulum swings, right? So we're so far on one side with the constant distraction, constant pings and dings, constant everything. And it's like, what do people need? They need to be able to just sit alone for a second and sit in silence. And there's a, there's a saying in meditation because people will say like, well, how long should I meditate for? And they'll say like, you should meditate for 30 minutes a day or something like that. Or the way I heard it was like, you should meditate for 10 minutes every day or something like that. And, you know, people will say like, well, I don't have 10 minutes. And then the saying goes, well, if you don't have 10 minutes to meditate, then you need 60 minutes to meditate. Right. Because it's like, you can't, if you can't, if you can't get that, that base level thing, it's like, you have bigger problems than just not having 10 minutes, but it's that, that fear of being like, whoa, you know, and it's uncomfortable, you know, so I don't know how big you are in meditation. I'm not big. I, so again, things that I, yeah, I, I do it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the question that I kind of have like going off of that is you spoke about expectations twice already. So you said we would, when in connections, but then we also talked about it when you were talking about masks and people's perceptions and like their expectations mm-hmm. of others, expectations of themselves. So how do you feel that that affects people in terms of in, in the side of nutrition, but then also just in terms of our general day-to-day life, like just the expectations that we feel kind of weighing on us. Yeah, I love, I mean, I could talk about expectations for six hours, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, like when the expectations come into the conversation. I think our industry as a whole is doing a great job of moving in the right direction where we're starting to introduce the idea of expectations to the general population and they're starting to pay more attention to like, oh, I have this expectation that I should be able to lose two pounds a week as a really surface level Mm -hmm. external example, right? But how often does that actually become a reality? You know, I think I think the frame I'd like to lead this piece of the conversation through is that, you know, we keep creating expectations on ourselves in an attempt to make ourselves feel motivated, right? It's like we trick ourselves. We have these expectations. They weigh heavy on us that we should be able to do X, Y, and Z in our lives, that we should be able to stick to X, Y, and Z in our nutrition. And there's this big payoff on the other side of these expectations, right? We set these goals and we just expect to be able to do exactly what we need to do to get there. But in doing so, we're consistently and constantly making ourselves wrong. Because that's not life, mm-hmm. right? That's not how the human brain is designed to operate. That's not how you're designed to operate within your life. You can't just create this idea of how things are supposed to go and then have them go that way. Like right. every time you set an expectation, you're making yourself wrong. We need to stop making ourselves wrong. Right. Right. Right? We need to start (laughs) instead of I expect myself to do these things or I should be able to. That's a huge one, especially for like the end user. Um, I should be able to is a red flag sentence. Anytime you tell yourself or think I should be able to 
stop, catch yourself. This is an expectation you have on yourself based on some external thing that you learned somewhere that has nothing to do with you. Right. Okay. There is no should. It's just, where are you right now? Right. Let's take like inventory of how you're feeling right now. Let's strip away those expectations and let's just have some faith that things are going to turn out the way that they're meant to. If you pay attention to what you need in this moment, because what happens is when there's these expectations looming out here, like way outside of yourself from all of these inputs, right? We make different decisions. We behave differently in our lives versus having those sort of dissolve and just asking ourselves and checking in with ourselves, what feels best for me right now in this moment? Right. Which is massively uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> I still struggle exactly. with it too. <laughs> and, you know, this, this comes back down. This is the, this is everything. You know, I talk about this pretty much in every episode is exactly that. So this is the hard thing. And this is exactly why it, it's easier to just say, okay, well, like, tell me what the thing is. And then I, I'll do the thing, but, but there is no right way. And like you said, there's, there's no should, there's no, there's no, expectation of, well, I'm supposed to be like this, or again, I'm supposed to lose weight at this rate, or again, it's supposed to be easier. I should be at this point by now, but it's like, all that we have is what is people will say that all the time. Like a a client I was just talking with last night and we were, she was talking about her sleep wake schedule and she wants to get on a healthier schedule. And she's been going to sleep ever since the pandemic, going to sleep super late, sleeping all day. And it's just like messed up her whole thing. And she's like, I know that I should be able to go to sleep at 10 and wake up at, 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 at 5am. Like that's what the experts recommend or something like that. I was like, okay, but what, what that literally means nothing. Like you're like, I should right. do that because experts say that like, you're, you're literally just saying nothing right now. Like I should be able to, but you're not doing that. You're right now you're going to sleep at 3am and waking up at noon. So it's like what you should be able to do maybe right or maybe wrong or maybe nothing, but that does, it has no bearing on what actually is. And exactly like you said, the more we get caught up on that, we're setting ourselves up for failures. Like one of the, the biggest pieces that people I think struggle with because it's like when you have that unrealistic expectation or realistic expectation, doesn't matter. The point is the expectation, you have an idea, a picture of what the end result is supposed to be. Right. And that means that any other end result does that does not fit. That is now failure because you painted a picture, you painted yourself into a little box. Whereas if you leave that open for interpretation, right. In terms Mm -hmm. of, again, using the, the, the analogy of fitness, if fitness is, a 315 bench and washboard six pack abs and a six minute mile is a very specific thing that you have to adhere to. And now again, you might get really strong in a different way, or you might be a great swimmer, or you might be a great volleyball player or a break dancer or something like that, which are extremely athletic people. But because it's not 315 bench, six minute mile, six pack abs, now you're not healthy. You're not fit. Whereas instead, if you understand that it's just like, okay, there's a wide range of ways this this can look. And it's not because some magazine told you how it should be, or because of how the guys on Instagram or the YouTubes or wherever you you get your your indoctrination from, wherever you get your brain, your your choice of brainwashing, you know, wherever you get that from, it, it, it doesn't really matter. So I think it's just like one of those things. And this also loops back around to something that I wanted to talk to you about actually, and this is the, I think the, the biggest thing, I don't know, it's hard to say the, the most important thing because everything's so important, but perfectionism, right? I, I did a, I did a poll on my Facebook uh, group. I have a, like a private Facebook community for clients. And I asked, you know, but it was like a bunch of topics. And I was like, which of these do you struggle the most with? And by far the, the number one answer was perfectionism. And I, I think that that's the biggest thing. So I was just wondering, I know you've talked about this. I've seen on your social media. So how you feel about it and uh, any advice you have for people, for coaches, for, but just for everyone. 
Mm-hmm. I love this. And I mean, this is a perfect segue because I think perfectionism and expectation are like mm-hmm. brother and sister, mm-hmm. right? They go hand in hand. They're almost like twins. They're joined at the hip. We can't have perfectionism without some level of expectation attached to it. And so before I, I paint that picture in a broader stroke for your audience, I'd love to just offer this little tidbit. It's something that I just recently went through myself. Um, you know, I used to own a gym. Okay. I used to be like your typical gym rat. I was like, <laughs> like looking at me, you would never think it, but I was like your heavy metal deadlifting, a heavy squat, like all the gear. That was me for years. You would never guess it now. But I, I put so much pressure on myself because I thought to get the body that I wanted, I had to lift heavy six days a week. And I had to do high intensity interval training. And I had to always be progressing. Like I would literally cry at the barbell. If I couldn't lift the weight I expected, I should be able to lift based on my periodized training plan. Like it was awful. And I went down this this rabbit hole for years and years and years. And recently because of COVID, mm-hmm. can go to the gym, can go to the gym in Canada. All the gyms were closed for like a year. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? It was the most confronting thing I think I've ever gone through physically for my body. And so I started to do yoga and I totally fell in love with it. I loved it. It was something that I would only ever do when I was like, I need an active recovery day. Like yoga is not really a workout, <laughs> right? That was what I thought. Yoga is not really a workout. It's, it's not something that um, is really going to challenge me in the same way. But in this last year, I was forced to release what I thought I needed to do and sink into a new way of exploring my body. And actually, I feel stronger than I ever have doing yoga. It's more challenging mentally than anything I've ever done before. It's more confronting mentally. And so I'm, I'm sharing this because ultimately there's a lot of things we think we need to be doing because it's just what we've always known to be true. It's what we've always been told. And because of that, we sink into these mindsets of I need to perfect it because more is better. Being the best is better, right? I need to challenge myself. I need to always be pushing my limits. And that's where like that expectation and perfectionism tie in. So I share that because I now feel way better in my body than I ever have before. I feel more leaner. Like I have more muscle just from doing yoga. So you never know really what's on the other side of releasing those expectations. You never know what's on the other side of surrendering to what's true for you right now. And what is for you right now? right? What I could have done is made myself feel horrible for a whole year and forced myself to do stupid kettlebell workouts, right? (laughs) But I didn't. So when it comes to perfectionism, I think it's really important for people to intimately understand their relationship with expectation first, and then to understand where that's affecting them or pulling them into very specific behavioral patterns in their life. Because perfectionism is kind of like expectation and action. Mm-hmm. It's the things that you do, right? It's the it's the stacking of your schedule back to back to back without any breathing room. It's I'm going to do 10 things all at once because I am a mom and I have three kids and I have a business and I should be able to. Right? right? Should, should. I should, should, right? But all that does is it just creates this 
this space in your mind where you're never successful, you're never right, you're never going to get what you want. And that place is so toxic. You're never going to be able to escape it unless you begin to understand your relationship with expectation first and how that's showing up, up in your life and the actions that you're taking, which is your perfectionism behaviors. Right. right? Does that make sense? Uh, for sure. I love that so much. It's funny because I have literally pretty much the exact same story uh, about lifting and COVID of like, I was lifting six days a week for the last umpteen years. You know, I was, you know, there's just, there was never a day where I wasn't lifting or again, maybe I was doing yoga for recovery. And I would have told everyone, if you would have met me prior to March, 2020, like any, any client I had, any person that asked was like, yeah, you need to be lifting. Like lifting is like, it's the end all be all, which I don't get me wrong. There's still, there's still, I very much believe in lifting, but now it's like, because of COVID it shut down the gym and I made me just rethink everything I thought I understood. And I was like, oh, okay. maybe there are other ways. And I'm happier now. I haven't gone back to lifting that way. Like I'm still, I'm doing other things now. And I think that that's important to realize because it goes right back into that expectation, that perfection thing of like, okay, again, like I'm supposed to be, like you said, I'm supposed to be lifting and it's supposed to be going up every week and it's supposed to be this, this, and that. And there's, there's all these things of what are supposed to be, what's, what should be. And I, I really love the quote. I just wrote this down that you said, perfectionism is expectation in action. I think that that's like, like a really, really powerful thing because it's like, we have this, th- th- all these, these beliefs, right. And, and, and these deep seated beliefs of, about the way our life is supposed to be. And that that's one of the things that we have to look at is like, where does this stuff come from? Right. It's like, where does, you know, we have this belief of, like you said, I'm a mom and and moms are supposed to have it all together, but it's like, who, who said, you know, I've like, I've never met a mom who has it all together. Right. Right. That's exactly it. And I I think too, even just to build on that really quickly before you move on, you know, when we think about what we picture to be that perfect scenario in our lives, how do you even know you're going to be happy with that? Right, right. Right. How do you even know that that's going to make a difference for you? It's, you could be so much happier if we just released all those expectations and sort of let things evolve as they naturally want to. Maybe you don't go to the gym for two weeks and you end up feeling happier in your body. That could happen. Right. But your mind is like, oh, no, 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 right. you got to go to the gym because if you gain an ounce of fat, you're going to cry and that's not going to be a, a good scenario, right? Your brain is just so conditioned right. to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Your brain wants you to feel safe, right? And everything it tells you, all the stories that comes up, all the emotions that makes you feel is to keep you in this place of equilibrium. It wants to keep you in this place of feeling held. Unfortunately, a lot of what it tells you is based on past experiences, or like you said just a minute ago, the beliefs you've adopted from other people, not necessarily the things that are true for you. So we have to start challenging those. We have to start looking at them without judgment, just curiosity. Right, right. I love, (laughs) I love everything that you just said. And there's so much there that I I could go off on one, just that, that belief part, right? And it's like a lot of these beliefs are programmed by the media. Right. Like, the, the whole thing, like, this is, I'm like, I have like an anti six pack, like vendetta at this point in my life. Well, I love that. Like, yeah. Everyone is like, there's like the six pack has come to equate to like, it's like the highest status symbol in health and fitness, but it's like, who made this? Like someone made this up. Like there is no link between having a six pack and being healthy, being fit, feeling better, anything like that. But 
muscle mags in like the eighties made it a thing. (laughs) And then they put girls on, on covers touching guys abs. And like it, it like, and now it's just a thing that every guy thinks that they're supposed to aspire to this, this thing. And it's just like, it's, it's created. It's the same thing. I, you know, people always have one of the questions I always ask people is like, where do you think that came from? Like, where do you learn that from? Cause people have these, we have these things that everyone just knows, right? They're like, I just know that. Like, you know, people are always saying like, I know I'm supposed to cut out carbs. I'm like, well, how do you know that? Like, where, where did that come from? And one of the big ones is, is breakfast, right? People always say like, everyone knows you're supposed to eat a big breakfast. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Like, but where did, where do you know that from? It just kind of like exists in the zeitgeist it's out there, but it's like, in reality, if you do the research, breakfast is the most important meal of the day was a marketing uh, gimmick made up by the Kellogg's company in like the 1950s to get people to eat more cereal. Right. So it's like now like we take it as health advice because it's just so ubiquitous in our, in our world. It's this belief that we have like, Oh yeah. Like, well, of course you have to have a big breakfast. It's like, I mean, I don't know, but there's nothing wrong with a big breakfast if you like it, but is that, that we have these things that we just believe and we don't go a layer back to be like, but where did this belief come from and why do I have it so deep in me? Yeah. And then, and then also one more layer, like, how does this actually feel for me? Right. 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 Like, what is the belief? Where did it come from? How am I relating to it? How does this serve me? Right. How, how do I feel about this? Uh-huh. Right. We're allowed to not just agree with the masses. Right. But it's so, it's so scary to do right. that because we think we're going to be wrong. Right. We think we're going to mess up. And that comes back to perfectionism. I need to do all the right things at all the right times in order to live the life I want to live. Well, if you're just doing all the right things, according to everybody else, you're never going to live the life you want to live because you're just living everybody else's life. Like that's the truth of it. And it also comes to what you were just saying about safety, right? Everything comes down to safety. Our brain wants us to be safe. And we have to understand that humans are communal animals, right? And we got this far in human history by working together, meaning the the way that we evolved out of hunter gatherers and were able to start farming and to start was by creating societies. And we did that by trusting each other and by people, you know, this is why we get a a natural gut instinct about someone, right? You know, when you meet someone, you don't like them because that's an evolutionary instinct bred into us. Like we had to be able to trust someone before there were phones, before there was electricity, before there were houses, you you had your your tribe and you had to trust that if if five of you went out on a hunt together, that that person was going to have your back. Or if if he caught an animal and you didn't, and you, and he gave you some today that you're going to give him some tomorrow or something like that. So we have this, this innate thing of, of, of community built into us. So going back to what you just said. So now if we have a fear of being looked less upon by our community, meaning I'm overweight and people don't like overweight people, or I tried and I failed and people don't like failures or whatever the thing is. And we have these beliefs of things that would lower our status among Mm -hmm. other people. That's one of the deepest fears that we have but we have to realize that that's not real. Like it's a, we, we don't live in that world anymore and it, people don't care, you know? So it's like, it's a double whammy of like, you're thinking that people are going to look, look, look at you less as less of a person because you're five pounds overweight or because again, because you started a business and it flopped or some, something weird like that. And even if they did, it wouldn't matter because you're a, a, a unique person special snowflake, you know, you're, you're self-sufficient. Right. You got right. this. Right. You don't need people to validate you. Exactly. I think too, though, like on, on the other side of that coin, people may not even realize that that's what's going on. Sure. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think those, those thought patterns, those beliefs, so that programming runs so deep sometimes 
that we're afraid to like for I don't know, coaches comes to mind because that's who I mentor, but the coaches are afraid to post online, right? Because they are afraid to be wrong. They're afraid to be judged by their peers. They don't want to feel like they don't know as much as other people, whatever. Um, But ultimately that the fear is linked to, I don't want to not belong to this, this little community, right? I don't want to be othered. Right. And the same is true. Like you just said for like a nutrition goal, I don't want to order differently than my friends because I don't want to be othered, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't even realize in the moment that that's what's going on. Right. We just feel the emotion attached right. to it. We, we see the stories, but it requires investigation right. in order to figure that out. Because once you can see that you can start to work through it, right? We can't work through that unless we actually bring to the surface what the truth of the reality is. We're just kind of operating in this no man's land, just letting the world sort of move us where it wants to, you know, 100%. And I mean, it's exactly like you said that people don't know this is happening. And this is why this is the hard thing, because it's like we, this is happening at such a deep subconscious level that it takes a level of self work before you can even get to the point of being like, whoa, like you said, what, like catching yourself, shooting yourself and then being like, wait, hold on, let me take a step back. So it's like, it's, it's so much easier to just go through the motions, but this is the thing is that it doesn't actually solve anything because we think it's easier, right? Cause it's like, well, that seems like a lot of work. I have to go to therapy and I have to learn about myself and I have to break down emotional barriers and I have to talk all, all this stuff. It is like, so that we don't do that because of that hard work. But then what we get is hard on the other side when we don't have the life that we want, right? When mm-hmm. we, when we keep starting a diet and then failing it because we're self-sabotaging, right? I, you know, it's like when you have those, those people that you've worked with, I've worked with, everyone has, and I'm sure anyone who's listening to this will relate to this with like, oh, I do so good on the weekend, on the weekdays, but then every weekend I fall off. Well, it's like, if you're telling the same story over and over, people are like, well, I just need more willpower. I just need more self-control. Obviously that isn't the answer because if that was the answer, it would be done already. Right. Like this is the thing. It's like, we, like we, 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 we are like, oh, like, well, it's too hard to wade through the mental mess to figure out why I'm self-sabotaging. But it's like, but the other option is to find yourself in a constant loop of try, fail, try, fail, try, fail till you get so frustrated that you just quit and give up forever. So it's like neither, like the, the second one is worse for me because at least the first one, you're, you're doing upfront effort, but there's a light at the end of that tunnel. Right. Exactly. I totally agree. I, I talk about this all the time with my clients and my students and the way I describe it is like, choose your pain, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You either choose to be in pain now, or you choose to be a pain forever. Mm -hmm. If you choose to feel pain now, you're doing the work that we just talked about, right? It's not going to be super fun. It's going to feel (laughs) confronting. It's you're probably going to cry. That's okay. It's going to feel emotional. Um, It's going to be painful, right? To move through these things. It is. Or choose your pain in the future. Choose forever pain. If you never work through this, you're going to be in this forever loop, right? right. So if the choice is theirs, and that can be really like a great perspective shift right. to, to move through, to go, okay, even in the moment when they're feeling triggered, it's a quick, okay, I'm either choosing to be in pain now, or I'm choosing to be in pain forever. Which am I going to choose? The choice is mine. Right. And choosing to be in pain right now means not reacting means taking a step back means ordering the chicken instead of the burger or whatever. And then trusting that you're still going to be okay at the end of that. Right. Um, that's 100%. And, and again, anyone who listens to this podcast, know I say all the time, everything is the same. 
because everything that you just said about choosing pain now versus pain in the future is fitness. It is nutrition. It is mindset. It is therapy. It is business, right? If you're starting a business. It's going to be a lot of upfront pain, but the goal is that you get rich enough in the future that you can retire early, right? If you like, right. It's, it's literally the exact same thing. And this is everything, right? Delayed gratification, the marshmallow test, whatever you want to talk about. It's the exact same thing. It's, can I accept a, an, disproportionate amount of upfront effort that does not give me the result right now. Because that's the thing, right? It's exactly what you just said about faith or trust or whatever you want to call it. If, if, the, if you got the result right now, if someone said, all right, you're going to do a hundred mile ruck run and a Murph and then diet for the next 12 hours. And at the end of that, you're going to have the exact body that you always wanted guaranteed. Well, yeah, like people would do that for sure because they can, yeah. they, they can see the result. But the whole thing, all of this stuff that we're talking about, whether it's the physical, whether it's the nutrition, whether it's the mental, it's doing a lot of work, going through the pain that you just said, but not being guaranteed the result, even though the result is guaranteed. That's the, that's the funny part. The result, you will get the result if you don't give up. But it's the fact that we, because we don't have like exactly in front of us, like, well, well, how long will it take? When will it be? What's it going to look like? All, we have all these questions and they're unanswered. Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard bargain for our brain to strike again, going back to safety, going back to energy being finite, going back to our brain does not want us to look foolish in front of people. So wait, what do you mean? I have to do all this work and I have to cry and I have to do this and that. And what what do I even get out of it? Maybe something six months from now is like, now, you know, pass on that. Give me, you know, send me the burger. So (laughs) yeah, give me the plan. I'll start on Monday. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. I think I love this conversation so much. It's such an important message. People need to they need to hear and like, if you're listening, listen to this again, right? <laughs> like, please let this integrate and hear what we're saying to you. It's, it's not about getting the result right now. You're conditioned to believe that that needs to happen in order for you to be happy. Right. The fitness industry has conditioned you to believe that if you don't lose two pounds a week, if you don't have the body you want in three months, that you failed. That's what they want you to believe. They want you to continue hopping from plan to plan to plan, looking for external solutions to your internal problems. Right. And exactly like you just said, it's the fitness industry. It is, it's a money business, right? You have to understand that too. It's like, no one gets, just like they would say, it's not healthcare, it's sick care, right? Mm -hmm. Like they don't, no, no one is in the business of getting people skinny and keeping them that way. That doesn't make them any money. You know, what, what makes the money is, is that you keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. Um, yeah. But, but I, what, what this really reminds me, it's funny because I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm like, there was something you said that I really wanted to go back to. And it was about the whole perfectionism thing being such a, a, a false flag or like a red herring almost where it's like, okay, we have this perfection, this perfect thing of like the six pack abs and then this and that, and that. But it's like you said, it's like, even if you were to get that, you didn't know what that's going to feel like. So you think you, you build up this whole thing in your head of like, oh my God, this is exactly what I want. I want to get a million dollars. Everything's going to be better. I have a million dollars and a six pack and a, and a boat. But it, they, they always say, <laughs> no. you, know, you know, just billionaires kill themselves every day. You know, like there's, you know, there's just as many people who are unhappy divorcees who have a ton of money. And we have this thing of, of like what it's going to look like. And we think that that's going to be for some reason, the thing to make us happy. But that is going back to, again, that whole expectation thing is like, if we, if we think that, and we're only going towards that one thing, then not only do we have to hit that goal, which is impossible, a, but then we have to hit that goal and it has to live up to the expectation that we set of it in our head, which is makes it double impossible. So 
you know, I did a, I did a podcast a, a few weeks back or months back. I don't know at this point, but about, uh, you know, the, the, the journey versus the destination. And it was exactly about this, right? So it's like the reason that it's so important, because it's so important to, to respect the journey and enjoy the journey of where you're going is because it's like, if not, if you're only worried about that, that destination, that one place, if it, if you get there, even if you do get, get there and it, it's not what you thought it was, right. If we're going back to the six pack abs guy, every guy wants six pack. Why? Because they think he's going to get them more girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell you a lot of times you got, you get a six pack and what happens? Nothing. It doesn't change anything. You don't know how to talk. Like, it, 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 what? You don't want to go on a date and have a right. six pack. <laughs> right. Just walking around, lifting their shirt up at people, you <laughs> yeah. know? So it's like one of those things. I just think that that's so important because it's like, and then when you can, when you can flip that and understand what we're talking about here, it's a relief. It's like, Oh, okay. It's like, it doesn't have to be this way and, and and it shouldn't be that way and it couldn't be that way. So it's like, oh, okay. Like now that that's, there's so much more space for me to be like, okay, now I can figure this out. Yeah. I think like a really cool perspective that people might be able to take, cause I can see some of your audience members going like, well, should I just not have goals then? <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, no, that's not what we're saying at all. Like if you want to chase a six pack, right. cool. But the thing that's going to make you happy isn't having the six pack. The thing that's going to make you happy is going through the journey of challenging yourself and recognizing, you know, when you didn't want to go to the gym, going to the gym anyways, and feeling really fulfilled by that and connecting, connecting emotion back to, yeah, right. Connecting emotion back to the goal that you're chasing, right? What is the feeling that you're expecting this to give you? And how can you give yourself that now? Hmm. That's exactly it. I love that. The feeling that you're chasing and, and getting that now. And this is the thing too, again, everything comes back to human nature. And that's why this stuff mm-hmm. is so, so interesting because this is just, this is just human stuff. And this is the psychology of our brain and, the, and, and how are, how are the, the chemicals in our brain work? And it's like, we are bred to get enjoyment out of work because if not, we would just have died. Right. Because since, right. Like, like since working is hard, Everything that we do, if we want it to be a positive, positively reinforced, our brain gives us a release of dopamine or some other happy chemical that, that reminds us that goes, oh, that felt good doing that thing. So one of the biggest rewards we can get is achieving something. It's doing something. It's the work for something, but it has to be a struggle, right? So an easy example is if you want to get good at tennis, you practice a lot against someone who's as good of you as you or a little bit better than you. And that pushes you to become better. If they're too, this is the whole uh, concept of flow, right? That, you know, that, right. so it's like, if, if that person is too much better than you and they're destroying you, then it's not, a, it's too much of a challenge. And like, you, you, you don't like it. So that's like trying to lift a bar that's 500 pounds when you can't lift a 50 pound bar. It's too much. And that, that becomes self-deflating. But if there, if it's the right amount of challenge where you can do it and you struggle through it and you get it, that gives us the most pleasant reward. And on the flip side of that is, Imagine being really good at tennis and going out and playing against a five-year-old. You could be the best tennis player in the world, and that's not going to be very fun either because you're like, well, the point is to win. Well, if all you want to do is win, you can set up easy opponent after easy opponent after easy opponent, but that is not going to give you anything either. That's going to actually make you very bored, and you're eventually going to be like, well, this is stupid. I like, There's no point in doing this either. So we actually get the most satisfaction out of a challenge, right? It's the same, the old analogy of if you didn't have to work for it, the, the perfect body, right? If I could wave a magic wand right now to give you whatever your, in your brain is the perfect body, you, yeah, you'd, you'd be enamored by it for a day or two or something like that. Cause it's like, Ooh, cool. But like shiny new car, but in reality, you didn't work for it 
and you're, it's, it doesn't feel as good and you're not able to, right. use it, and you don't, you didn't build the habits that it took to get there. And it's like, you just said, like, those are the things that actually give you the satisfaction, that feeling of like, oh, I really didn't want to go to the gym today, but I went anyway, oh, yeah. you know, like what, whatever the, the thing is. And I think that that's like such an important thing because again, people would just be like, oh, well, just give me the, just give me the answer. Just give me the result. But it's like, it wouldn't be worth anything if I could, I can't, you know, <laughs> that's point, <laughs> point A is that I can't, it's impossible. But point B is that even if I could, you wouldn't want it. Right. right. Exactly. At the end of the day, it would rob you of something. Right. Right. I would never want to take that away from someone right. that struggle, that challenge, like the feeling like you're overcoming something and, and coming out on top and discovering who you are in the process. And like, it's this whole beautiful journey that everyone just wants to skip. Right. I love that. Um, I'm going to actually take a quick sharp turn here and tangent a little bit, but you said sure. this word, I think t- at least twice, if not three times, but I'm very big on words and the, the words that we choose to use. And I know that you chose this word for a reason. And it was the word release. You said, I, I, I had to release that gym, ha- the, the, the gym mm-hmm. routine and I released it. So I want to know why you chose that word and what, what that kind of stuff means to you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is, I'm loving this, this U-turn you just took. So when I say release, what I equate that to is surrender, trust, right? Having faith that what I'm releasing, I'm releasing because it doesn't feel aligned anymore. And there's something that's meant to come in and replace that in a much more powerful way. So it's a very deliberate choice to release something that you feel no longer serves you, but it's gentle. You know, it's not like this, this big pendulum swing. It's just like, you know what? I'm just going to see what happens. I'm going to trust that by releasing this one piece of what I thought I needed to be or do mm-hmm. is going to be okay for me. Right. You know, it's like this, tr- I say trust fall a lot too, like trust falling forward into the, like the direction you're supposed to go in your life. And so when we talk about like releasing strength training to do yoga in my recent experience, I'm currently going through this. I sometimes still like well, pull out a kettlebell and do some like single leg deadlifts just because I don't want to lose my butt. <laughs> There's still that fear there. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a thobby bump. That's my stupid brain coming back up again. Right. But like releasing that is an ongoing practice. I release it every day. Mm-hmm. I choose that. to continue to re-release it every day. Right. I love Until that. it becomes normal. Right. Okay. I love that. And again, it's exactly what you just said. So much of that is so key. Again, anyone listening to this, I, I, I like you just said, suggest re- listening to this whole thing again, but especially that last bit of that, like, but I, re- I release it. I don't remember the exact words, but it's just kind of like softly. And with like, just, it's not serving me anymore. Again, I, I would, I, this thing maybe was serving me for a long time in the past and that's fine. Right. Cause a lot of times, again, going back to our brain and like it, it being afraid, it's like a lot of times it's like, if I change something, that means what I was doing was wrong. Right. So if I go, if I just spent the last 10 years strength training and now I stop strength training to go do yoga. So that's an insult. That means, wait, what did I just waste the last 10 years? Was I stupid? Did, was this wrong? Was that wrong? Or was I wasting? You know, what should I have been doing yoga this whole time? And it's all these different things. My brain is like, I don't like that. Okay. I'm just going to stick with what I was doing because it's that, you know, the, the, the cognitive dissonance of like, okay, if I like, I'd rather pretend that this is the right thing and, and never change it than that admit that I was admit that I was wrong. So it's okay to say, as you just said, like, okay, I'm releasing this thing. And just because it doesn't serve me anymore. And it's just a test to see, are things better now? You know, are things better? Does, does something else can, can things be, be done in a different way? Because even like you said, I have this belief of, oh, well, I have to do single leg deadlifts so that I don't lose my butt. 
And like, like you said, like, even that's a weird belief of like, I, I don't want to lose my butt, but even that, and then I go a little bit deeper, but why does that matter? Because, well, people will, you know, because I'm a fitness person and fitness girls are supposed to have nice butts, but why does that matter? Why does that matter? And we, we can just keep going deeper into it, but that's mm-hmm. hard. And even you, you, again, you, you are this, you teach this, you, you spread this all the time and it still happens to you. So I just always like to point that out to the listeners. Like I go through this, you go through this, this isn't, I'm, this mm-hmm. is not like a, I'm speaking down from the mountaintop at people. This is like, this is the shit that I deal with every single day, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I think too, like just to build on what you just said was, you know, instead of changing something, releasing it, yes. But I think like releasing something is changing something. It's just doing it in a way and through the lens of curiosity instead of through the lens of judgment. Right. And right. When we change something forcibly, we're almost like judging ourselves because it didn't work. Right. And we're like seeking something to replace that because we think it'll work better. Right. Releasing something is like, well, this doesn't feel good. So let's get curious about what could feel better. And let's just trust that maybe that's going to be okay for me. Right. And it's also specifically the, the just the choice of words are important, right? It's I, I do a, a course called mindset shift and literally week one, day one is self-talk, right? And it's about how important our words are and release is a big one, right? Release. People always talk about losing weight, but in terms of what are, what does our mind associate loss with? We associate loss with a negative thing. We, we don't look to lose things. We lose mm-hmm. things by accident. What do you do when you lose your keys? You try to find it. What do you do when you lose your phone? You, you use find my iPhone. We don't lose things on purpose. If I release weight, it's like you said, it's like, okay, this weight was serving me for a time. It helped me. I, I've, I've, I'm a very healthy person. I'm 31 years old and it's done me well up until now, but I, now it's time for us to part ways and, and for my, that my fat to, to, to go, I've, I've released it. I'm no longer holding on to it. It's not something that I ever seek to find again. And it might seem silly to people, and it might have seemed silly to me until I really understood the brain and understood that these these connections make a difference because our brain, again, going back to it, always wants us to be right. It always wants us to be safe. So if I'm saying, hey, I release you, then it wants us to be right. So it's going to follow that narrative. Whereas again, if, I've, if I'm losing something, which is a negative, it doesn't want, oh, well, losing is bad. So let's, let's go find that weight again. <laughs> you know? I love, yeah. I, oh my gosh. That's such a cool shift. I love that you offer that to your clients. It's so, words are so powerful. I mean, it's how we make meaning of the world, right? right? How do you know the sky is blue? Right. Because someone called it blue and now we all adapted, adopted that as truth, Right. Mm-hmm. But just like you said, with losing, we, there is this connotation to it. There's this meaning behind it. And by calling something, saying we're losing something, we do subconsciously seek it out to find it again. Or even, you know, telling yourself that you're binging on the weekend when really you just ate a cookie or telling yourself you're self-sabotaging when really you just went to your nephew's birthday party and you had a piece of birthday cake, you know, like, how are you describing your experiences? Mm -hmm. Are you catastrophizing them? Are Mm -hmm. you making them so much bigger in your mind than they really are in reality? Right. That's for sure. That that's a big one too. And I used to talk about this all the time when I was doing personal training, because the day after a big holiday is always a big day, right? So it's like the day after Thanksgiving, the day after 4th of July, the day after new year's people are always coming into the gym. And like, oh, I ate so much today. I gotta, I gotta burn it off. Or I'm gonna, whatever. Or the, or the day before Thanksgiving, they're like, Oh, I'm going to eat so much tomorrow. And then I'm going to, I'm going to come and, and burn it all off the next day or something like that. What I would say, and what I started to say is like, okay, like I ate a lot yesterday on Thanksgiving, let's say. I come to, I'm still going to go to the gym the next day because I do think it's important to exercise. And I, but in my head or what I'm saying is 
I ate a lot yesterday and now I have fuel for an awesome workout. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not a punishment for what I ate. It's not me trying to burn off the food that I ate. It's me using all the extra carbs to now hit a squat PR or to go for an extra 10 minutes in my circuit that I normally would have stopped or something like that. Now the workout is exactly the same. What I'm doing is exactly the same there. If you, if you took away the words, the actual actions are exactly the same, but there is an importance behind what I'm doing because I'm reframing it as a positive, as a benefit, as a, as a causal link rather than a reactionary one, rather than like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm in damage control. It's like, no, I chose this because I did choose to eat. I didn't, no one shoved the food down my mouth. No one, no one did anything like that. So it's like, I chose this, but now I'm going to do the next thing that I want also want to choose. And I'm going to like, those things matter. And again, they might seem silly to some people, but it's like, one promotes a negative relationship with food that puts me into a shame spiral that now I'm less than now I, yes, I can burn off the food at Thanksgiving, but if I have to burn it off, really, I wasn't supposed to eat it. So I did a bad thing by eating it. And now I'm trying to burn it off, which also we understand most people inherently understand that you can't outrun a bad diet. So like they're doing something that they already know is impossible. Again, going back to expectation and perfectionism. So it's like this whole loop of bad things where it's like, or I could say, yeah, I ate a lot. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the time with my family. That was great gold star there. Then the next day, now I have all this energy from all the carbs. Now I get a great workout, double gold star there. And now it's a whole positive upward spiral of good things. And it all mm-hmm. starts from the words that I choose to use. So I, that's why I just think it's such an important thing for people to kind of understand. I agree. Totally. I think too, just layering in, um, when you start this work, when you start to pay attention to the words that you're using, you start to reframe Sometimes it's going to be like, it's going to feel forced, right? Like you're maybe not going to fully believe it at first when you're like, no, I'm doing this because I have fuel, not because I want to burn off Thanksgiving, but really your brain's going like, yeah, but you're really going to burn off the food you ate last night, right? Like, that's okay. You just have to have patience with yourself. It takes time. It takes time. And if that feels so untrue for you, find the closest thing to a reframe that does feel true for you. Right. So instead of saying, oh, this is just really good fuel for my workout. Okay. That doesn't feel true for you, but we want to remove shame. Right. Right. How can we find that middle ground for you? Maybe in, there's something between I'm using this for, for fuel and I need to burn this off and get rid of it. Right. What would that be for you? Right. And then just lean into that. Right. And this goes back right back to uh, your, our, our, both of our trainings from precision nutrition and the how can I just make things a little bit better, right? It's not, this is the thing, right? Going back to perfectionism, it's not about, okay, is this one phrase going to change everything about my life? Is everything going to be different when I start this, this like saying these mantras or something like that? It's not about that, but going from a, a, a statement that, as you said, is shameful to a way of talking to yourself that removes just a little bit of shame. Even if you, if you have five bits of shame in a sentence and you, and you dropped it down to four, that's still a step in the right direction. This stuff has not happened overnight, but the point is it also doesn't happen without effort and without understanding that this is a thing. So that's what the whole point of the conversation like this is, Mm -hmm. it's just a jumping off point. It's just to say like, Hey, there's another way, the way that maybe someone listening to this has been doing things of just kind of going through the motions you mentioned, um, mentioned before, like kind of just like being moved around like by life, as opposed to being in the driver's seat is something that I always talk about. Right. Exactly. I totally agree. I think, you know, too, as you're starting to make these changes, the most important layer to it that we haven't touched on yet is attaching meaning to the things that you do change. 
and recognizing them and pulling them to the surface and feeling, allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to feel good about those things, right? Like I pause and I recognize that this made me feel really uncomfortable. And that was a big deal for me because before I would have just skipped right over that and ate the thing. Mm-hmm. right? Or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's so important we attach meaning because if we never attach meaning, we're never recognizing ourselves. We're never feeling like we're making progress. So we we're outputting all this energy, but we're never really inputting anything, right. you know? So it, it feels like I'm just spinning my wheels. I'm just doing all this stuff. I'm exhausted and I'm not getting the results. So yeah. Yeah, 100%. I love that. Exactly. I said, oh, spinning your wheels. And that's the worst. I would say that's the that's to me, the what I call the, the seventh ring of hell, where it's like, you're doing <laughs> the work and not getting the result. Because it's one thing if you don't do the work, and you don't get a result, you can't really be mad about that. And right. it's another thing if you do a lot of work, and then you get a result, because it's like, okay, I, my brain can comprehend that. But when we're doing work, when we're putting an effort, and we're not getting a result, that's when we that's what we take a fast track to quit city. That's, that's a guaranteed way for our, for us to give up on the result. And that's why I love what you just said about attaching meaning to change because we need that meaning because it, without that, if you don't have a meaning behind why you're trying to make the change, what are you left with? Expectation, right? The only, if you don't have a meaning for why you're doing it, the only reason you would be doing it is because if I don't have a meaning for why I want to uh, get in shape and start a, start exercising, there's no real meaning for it, then why am I doing it? Well, because I'm supposed to, because someone told me to, because I know that's what you're supposed to do. And these are all expectations. So it's really, now that I'm thinking about it, you just, you just kind of made this appear in my brain, but, but like a binary choice, we have one or the other, you have, you have change for the right reason for, for a meaningful reason, or you have change because I should, because I'm supposed to, because it's expected of me. And those two things can't really exist in the same place. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're mutually exclusive. Absolutely. I think Oh, I love that. That's juicy. I never explored that perspective before. <laughs> like content popping up in my mind. Right. For sure. Same, same, same. So actually I'm going to, uh, we're going to kind of wrap it up here. Cause I know I could exactly, like you said, I could talk to you for hours and we'll do a part two because I only got through like three of the questions that I wanted to ask you. No problem. Um, I'm happy to. Yeah. But, uh, you know, based on everything that we've talked about, or just in general, the last thing I ask every guest on this show is to leave the people listening right now with one action step that they can take right after this show to start living a healthier, happier life. And it can be about nutrition. It can be about fitness. It can be about mindset. It can be anything in the world, but just something that they can do immediately to start living a healthier, happier life. And I love that you asked this question. I think just along the same lines as our entire conversation today, what I would challenge everyone to do today, like right now is start tuning into how you feel in different scenarios in your life, specifically around your goals. Okay. So when you're making a choice to eat something, do you feel excited or do you feel nervous? When you make a choice to go out for dinner with friends, do you feel excited or do you feel anxious, right? Like what's going on in your body? Get into your body. We are so in our heads all the time. That's where expectation lives. That's where perfectionism lives. That's where our storylines live. If we can just for a moment go, okay, I hear you brain. You want me to order the salad, but I'm just going to tap into my body real quick. How does that choice make me feel? Right. And just get curious about the difference, right? Your brain's going to justify something. Your body's going to say no, but you're going to ignore it and listen to your brain anyways, because that feels safe. Just start to pay attention to your patterns. That's the very first step. That's the very first step to all of this is just getting curious but not judge yourself for what comes up. Start documenting it. 
start journaling about it, reach out to Paul about it, ask for advice. You know, Paul, this keeps coming up. What does this mean? You know, it's so important to have someone guide you through this because from an outside perspective, it's so much clearer what could be going on when you're in it. It's very difficult to, to navigate. But again, the very first step is start to pay attention to what your body is telling you. Get comfortable feeling again, right? Get comfortable feeling hard things again because the change that needs to happen is not going to feel pleasant. It's going to feel anxious. You're going to feel frustrated. You're going to feel afraid. You're going to feel sad. All of these things are going to come to the surface. It's okay. How can you create space to feel? I love that. Creating space to feel. I love that so much. I'm going to leave that right there. Um, so just before I let you go, I just want to ask, I know that mostly you work with uh, coaches, specifically coaches in the nutrition space, which I'm sure I do have some of those people listening. So if anyone wanted to work with you or get into contact with you, can you just tell people a little bit more about what you have going on personally and like where to find you? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for this, actually. Um, I, I mentor coaches, like you said, through a program I developed called Trigger Mapping. So I help coaches help their clients with this stuff. So I help coaches understand, you know, how identity plays a role in the work that we're doing and how to better understand the emotions that our clients are moving through and to use all of that to create a really deep, powerful change with and for them. So um, if you want to hear more about that, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Laura Pobrin or my website, laurapobrin.com. All the information is there. Also, please just feel free to reach out and ask me questions. I'm an open book and I'm super happy to answer any questions that pop up for you about anything we discussed or anything else on your mind. All right. Awesome. And I'll have links to all of that stuff in the show notes. And I can attest that Laura is an awesome person to connect with on social media. Definitely go follow her stuff and check her out. Laura, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much, Paul. It was so fun. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed what you heard and you want more, I'd love if you'd subscribe to my show wherever you get your podcasts. Good karma points for also leaving a review while you're at it. And lastly, if you're looking to dive even deeper, you'll find a ton of free workshops, mini trainings, and the details on my mentorship program, Trigger Mapping, over at laurapobrin.com. See you next time.